Like I said, we're starting a new series today, so I'm just going to pray. And if you need to stare at the picture of the puppies a little bit longer, I'll leave it up while we're praying. Um, And then we'll dive into our material today. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you that you are the healer. Um, Thank you that you give us a sense of humor where we can laugh about things that are are accidents and are painful. Um, I thank you that you brought each person here this morning, God. I think you have a message for everybody. You have a message for me. God, don't let me stand in the way of communicating what it is you have for our church, God. I just, God, I get the sense that we're at a pivotal time as the Firehouse Church right here in September of 2015. And so, God, I know there's all kinds of distractions and things going on and places we want to be and football games and all this stuff. Lord, help us to listen to what you would say right here this morning in these few minutes. Pray that your spirit would move in the hearts of each one of us that we would hear. And that as we would hear these things, we would begin to wrestle. And as we go through this series, that you would help us to grapple honestly with you on a day-to-day basis and say, God, what would you have me do. Thank you for giving us your scripture that's so clear as to where we should be going in our life as we follow you. God, help us to understand that better today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, moving on from the puppies. So, you saw there the first slide says Thrive. What is Thrive? Well, this is a new series that we're doing here at the Firehouse Church, and we're going to be talking about stewardship. And so I get the first part, and uh, we're going to have two more parts at least of that coming up here in the next couple weeks. So um, the first part here is we're going to be talking about time today. Um, And of course we all know time is really in some ways a valuable resource, but it's something all of us, every single one of us has the same quantity of time. And so I thought we'd just sort of launch into this and say, okay, what does it mean to be a steward of time? That's our, our series here is about being a steward. And so what, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a steward? Well, I thought the first thing we could do is we could really define what the word steward really means. You're going to use a fancy sort of old school word, word Greg. You, you might as well define it. So here's kind of the definitions we're working with. The noun... It's a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. One who administers anything as the agent of another or others. And then it is a verb, to steward. It's a verb, it means to manage or to look after. And so we really see here from the definition that stewardship involves managing, administering, looking after things. But what do you need to look after something? You need wisdom, right? Wisdom. And so there's an element of, ah, we have to be wise if we're going to be a steward. And so here's another question for you. <clears throat> How much of our time belongs to God? Well, if we go to the Bible, this is what the Bible says about what God owns. It says in Psalm 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So, we look at that verse and we think about how much of our time belongs to God. Well, How much of creation, how much of the earth, how much of the universe belongs to God? All of it. Right, all. And as we say, what does all mean? All. What's the Greek word for all? All. Is anything excluded from all? No. Right? Nothing is excluded from all. So how much of our time belongs to God? All of it. That's right. All of our time belongs to God. And so... What should we do with our time? 
belongs to God, so what should we do with it? He's clearly entrusted it to us. How should we be stewards of the time God has given us? Well, there's a verse, another verse in Psalm. Verse nine, chapter 90, verse 12 says, So teach us to consider our mortality, so that we might live wisely. There's a principle here. There's a principle in this as we consider our mortality. As we want to live wisely, there's a principle of stewardship. There's a principle of being an administer, administrator of the time that God has given us. And again, like it says right there, wisdom is required. And so just like we think about money, we sort of, you know, once a year we kind of talk about what God's principles are for money. And, and that's coming today in the future weeks here. That's coming. We talk about what God wants us to do with our money. It says we're supposed to be stewards of our money. We're supposed to be stewards of our time as well. And God, for whatever reason, has entrusted us, each, every single one of us, with 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, or 366 in a leap year, right? And he's given that to us to manage, to be an administrator of it. So, being a steward of time means doing with it what God asks of us. That's simply what being a steward of time means. We want to answer that question. What does it mean? It means doing with it what God asks of us to do. Well, okay, so that's the next question. How does God want you to use time? How does God want you to use time? Well, I think another way we could ask that question is, what does Jesus want his followers to be, right? We've been talking about that. That's been really a theme here at the Firehouse Church here recently is, we're disciples, and we're going after Jesus. And Jesus wants us to be his followers if we've called him our Lord. He wants us to follow him. So what does he want us to be? Well, we've talked about this before recently. He wants us to be disciples who make disciples, who are reproducing Right? Who can, who can shout out our, what our vision statement is? Reach? Anyone? Reach the world with Jesus, starting here. Right? Reach the world with Jesus, starting here. That's our vision statement. That's what God has given it to us. Right? And Rich has put this thing up on the screen the past few weeks. Right? You start and you have unbelievers, and unbelievers who come to know Jesus become believers, and believers who then start to follow Jesus become disciples, and disciples who develop those habits and then begin want to reaching unbelievers become disciple makers. Right? We're all on that path, we're all on that journey somewhere, wherever you're at, and God wants us to use our time. If that's the path God has set us on, that's what He wants us to use our time for. And so here's three verses I found. I think you could probably find a lot more that really speak to this. The first one, of course, is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. There's four actions here. I've got them highlighted on the screen, right? Four actions in the verse. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach sounds like a once a month activity, right? <laughs> Christmas and Easter? No, it doesn't. It's time intensive. Being a disciple and carrying out the Great Commission is a time intensive process. It requires devotion. And see, I think in this passage here we see Jesus is calling believers to be disciples. And he's calling disciples to be disciple makers. We're deceiving ourselves if we think that this will not take a sacrifice of the time that we've been given. 
Another verse, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus speaking, and he said to all of them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I love the fact that this was, this was spoken before he ever carried a cross. This is the task of a disciple, to deny yourself, to take up that cross, and to follow. Again, there's action. And he didn't say, deny yourself weekly, take up your cross monthly, follow me occasionally. What did he say? He says it right there, daily, daily. Again, this is a time-intensive calling to go from believer to disciple to disciple-maker See, do you think that carrying a cross is like going to a party? Is that easy? Is it convenient to carry a cross on behalf of Jesus? I wouldn't think so. I know from experience that it's not. Another verse that stands out to me, this passage in Luke 9, verses 57 to 62. I've got one of the verses here on the screen. It says this, As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So what's going on here? What's going on in this passage? Well, Jesus is really addressing common objections that people have to being disciples. And really the second one, which I got here on the screen, the second one is really an objection that deals specifically with how we steward our time. The man says what? He says, Lord, let me first... And then you could just fill in the blank with anything after that, right? That was His situation was, oh, I, I've got to go deal with this family situation. But you could fill in the blank with anything in your own life, right? Lord, let me first do this. Let me first do that. And so that's a statement of what? It's a statement of priorities. What are your priorities? Again here, Jesus is calling believers into discipleships. And so if we're going to be disciples, it must be our first priority. So is it your first priority? See, in all these instances, in all these passages, Jesus makes it clear that we must be invested in discipleship with our time. This is how God wants to use time. This is how he wants to use that time that he's allotted to us. And so now that we've seen what does stewardship of time mean and what does God want us to do with our time, we'll ask this question. How are you using time? How are you using time? It's a famous verse, Matthew six twenty one. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now I love that Dave Ramsey up there. That guy is a firebrand, isn't he? And so I think it's I think it's something he says, but I've heard it elsewhere. Say so you want to know where somebody's priorities are? Look at their checkbook. Well, I don't know how many people actually carry checkbooks around anymore. 
right? I guess some people do, or how many people balance them. Maybe look at people's bank statements and look at how you spend your money, and there's a principle in that. But I think now, when we want to look at how people spend time, we can say, let's look at your Facebook page. What does your Facebook page reveal about who you are, right? Now, I know a lot of people are like me. You don't post a lot to Facebook, so it doesn't, maybe it doesn't quite apply to you, but I, I definitely watch Facebook quite a bit. I look at it gives me a window into the world of what's happening with people. And I definitely see people who call themselves believers, who call themselves disciples, and it is a constant stream of recreation, vacation, cool place they went out to eat, other thing they did, and it's all sort of centered around themselves, right? Like I almost sometimes feel this, this group like of people that you could kind of look at. You could like click on their page and go in there on the side. It would say, you know, like the things they like, the pages they like, and they would be part of a club that would be called the Living for Myself Club, right? And it's just this constant stream of things, right? And I, and I don't sit in judgment, right? I know everybody sort of pay, posts to Facebook in a little different way, but look at it and you go, man, you don't even have any time. For these people, you have no time, to make disciples, to be a disciple because you're so caught up in doing these things for yourself. And maybe you're not there. Maybe that's not quite where you're at in terms of how you're spending your time and your streams, but I think it's a question that's worth asking is what, what does your Facebook page say about how you spend your time? Does it show a heart for God's call to discipleship? Does it show that you're taking up your cross daily and following him? Another question we could ask is, what occupies your margins? What occupies the margins of your life, right? We have so many things that we really do have to do, right? We have jobs, and we have families, and we have commitments and those things. But what occupies the margins? How many television shows do you watch on Netflix or Amazon Prime? I was so encouraged recently, a couple came to me and they said, you know, we just realized we've gotten into this habit where we just come home and watch shows. And we want to be committed to making disciples instead. It was just such an encouragement to me to hear that. I know it's such an easy pattern for us to get into. What else occupies your margins? Are you part of a lot of clubs? Are you taking a lot of vacation? Are you doing a lot of recreation? Stuff on your own. What about work? Now, I know we all have to have a job. I have to have jobs, right? We all have those things we have to do. But are you able to say no to the boss? Are you letting that take up your margin as well? See, in this verse here, this verse, treasure equates to time. I think it equates to to wealth and and riches and the possessions, but it equates to time. Right? And so I think we could really say, where you spend time, that's where your heart is. And so knowing this, if you have something that takes time and prevents you from following Jesus, what do you think you should do? Now again, I want to make sure I disclaim that. I'm not talking about earning a living or raising a family or the necessities of life. I'm talking about margins. Or I'm talking about drawing boundaries around some of those life necessities so they don't creep in and the world doesn't creep in. Now, sometimes young men will come to me and single guys and they're kind of getting started in life and they go, ah, what can I do? What can I do to be a better disciple of Jesus? I love to get that question, right? Because there's a great heart there. And the counsel I always give is like this. I say this. Immerse yourself 
and what God is doing in your church. Go to everything you can go to. Be part of every single thing that you have the margin to be part of. Why? Why do I say that? Well, it's not because God's going to love you more because you do that. But there's a value in that. And you're going to be a disciple and a disciple maker when you do that. I think also as you do that, you begin to avoid idleness. You begin to avoid temptation. You begin to avoid the sin that can come from that. And you begin to build God's kingdom as you invest your time in what he's doing. Now, I just want to share a little bit about a few different situations I've been in in my life where I've immersed myself and sort of the fruit from that. When I was a college student at, at Georgia Tech, I was part of a ministry called Campus Crusade. And uh, I saw a lot of students. It was a, a very academic school. A lot of students really struggled with, i got to study, I don't have time for this. But I realized I needed to make a priority to build God's kingdom right there on the campus. And so I made a pledge. I was going to go to every single meeting. And I was going to structure my schedule so that I had time to invest in relationships with people. And so on Saturday mornings, instead of sleeping in, at 8 o'clock you would find me in the architecture studio working on my project. And I'd work all day and then I'd have the evening free, where as many of my peers would show up late in the afternoon and try to work late into night. But I did that because I wanted to invest in people. And there was fruit from that. There was fruit from that in my own life. It brought me closer to God. I was able to avoid foolishness. A lot of worldly things that happened in college campuses that I was able to avoid because I had immersed myself in being part of what God was doing. And then I graduated from Georgia Tech and I moved actually to Denver. Many people don't know that. I lived in Denver um, quite a long time ago. And I was a single guy uh, and living in a one-bedroom apartment by myself. And I came home from work the first day and I looked around and I said, well, this is not going to be good. (laughs) This is not good for my life. And I hopped in the car and I drove an hour to Fort Collins because I had some friends in a church and they were having small group that night. And I said, that is going to be a valuable use of my time. And I got in the car and I drove and I went back every week. In fact, I went back three times a week for a year. I drove from Denver to Fort Collins because I knew if I was not invested and plugged in and doing what God wanted me to do and making disciples... I was going to fall into idleness and temptation and sin and just not be obeying God's, God's call to take up my cross daily and to make disciples. Later on, Christine and I got married. We moved to Seattle. I was going after my master's degree there at the University of Washington. And uh, we lived about 30 minutes away from the, the church that we were, we were part of. Um, that we loved, a sister church of ours out there. And that was really hard. You're a graduate student and you're working and a lot of challenges and things and projects. And uh, it would have been really easy to not make that commitment. We said, no, I don't care that it's a 30-minute drive and a 30-minute drive home. That is a part of a time that we're going to spend investing in people and investing in God's kingdom. And so every meeting, we went and we were part of it. And we even said, all right, Sundays, we're going to take Sundays and I'm not going to do schoolwork on Sundays so that we can be invested in people and invested in each other and resting and ready to go to church. And that actually was a testimony. I had some, some fellow students, this couple, um, and there were people who really, at the time, they thought they were Christians. They actually weren't Christians. Some people would call that a make-believer. And that's kind of where they were at. And they have since told me, Later on, they actually did come to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, both of them. They've told me, they said, your dedication to your church in that time 
help point us to Jesus. So don't expect, don't, don't think that you, if you make stands in your life and you invest your time in a certain way that it can't have an impact on other people because it does have an impact on other people. And those people, that couple, they're dear friends of mine. Um, one of them is, is one of my colleagues at the architecture company here in town. Another time, uh, after that, we finished at the University of Washington and we moved here to, the, to help start the Firehouse Church. And I don't know if anybody's, maybe a couple people left who were there when we first started 11 years ago, but we were very small. I think we started with about 20 people. And Christine and I, we had, we had Reeve, he was a little baby, now he's like five foot three, um, bigger kid. But he was little then, and it was, it was a lot. He had a handful, we were trying to figure out how to be parents, and we're in a, a new town, and a new job, and all these things. And yet we made a commitment, we're going to go to everything. Because that's being invested in what God wants to do. And so, so Reeve, he, he slept in all these kind of different places. You Sometimes you'll see Rich will put up on the screen, kind of goes through that story of all those places where we met as a church in those early years. Reeve slept in all of those. <laughs> so we took him along. We'd like lay him down on the floor in some closet somewhere. It was not particularly convenient. I don't know how, how great it necessarily was for his sleep. But man, we were invested in what this church was doing. We were invested in what God was doing and making disciples. And you can do that too. And so what's my point? My point in all of this is saying it can be done regardless of where you're at in your life. You can invest your time in building God's kingdom and making disciples and being a disciple. And so here's a question. What if every single one of us at the Firehouse Church decided we were going to immerse ourselves in the discipleship process like that? What do you think God would do? What if we aimed to come to every meeting? What if we took evangelism seriously and personally? You know, I think Brad announced about those discipleship groups. Right? I think it's so easy. There's a couple attitudes we could have. We could have the attitude of immersion and say, that's great. Man, maybe I've gone through that material four times in my life or I'm, I'm solid on evangelism and I get it. I'm not going to go. That would be the non-immersion way. Or you could say, yeah, even though I've done that, I'm going to go. I'm going to be there because this is what God is doing right here and I want to be part of it. We have two choices. We can be immersed or we can be detached. What would it be like if we all decided to immerse ourselves in that discipleship process? Now, you saw me talk earlier, we're talking about Thrive. You're like, Thrive? Greg, you haven't said anything about Thrive. What is that? Well, Thrive, we're technically starting it next week. So this is kind of your precursor message. But I just want to give you a brief review here. Um, as we've been sharing in the past month or so, as Rich and Brad and I have really shared about this, we think God has really given us a vision as a church for what he wants to do. He really wants us to be disciple makers. He really wants us to be reaching the world with Jesus, starting here. And part of that is, we believe he wants us to be doing that in two locations right here in the Denver metro area. And so some of you are going to be part of this other location that's going to be down in kind of the Parker, Franktown, south side of town area. And the rest of us, we're going to be right here, right here at this location. And our, our goal, we think what God has told us is, hey, you need to be strong. Strong here and strong there. Strong individually and strong corporately. And so that's what we think God has given us to do. And so he's pointed us towards this campaign, the Thrive Campaign. So what is it? Well... We said it's about stewardship. It's about time. It's about treasure. It's about talents. And so we're going to have a message on each of those things. And 
it's really, there's a big financial component to this. And so we're really going to kick this off next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. So we're not talking about nuts and bolts and things on Sunday mornings. Like we, we know that's not necessarily where everybody's at, particularly anyone who's visiting with us. But we're going to meet next Sunday night at 6 p.m. as a church. And there is a financial piece to that. Like I said, we need to be, we're aiming to be committed in our tithing. We're looking to be giving in a generous way, in a sacrificial way, in a faith-filled way. And we'll talk more about some of those things. And we think there's an opportunity for some matching funds from our region. And our goal is going to be $10,000 a month beyond our tithes for two years. And so we're going to have this meeting and there's going to be uh, frequently asked questions. And we're going to have testimonies. We'll have some food. We're going to get more details out to you this week. And our weekly email is Siren. We'll send a special email. We'll get it on Facebook um, so that you know, please, 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 if this is your church, would you be there next Sunday night? And look, the Broncos aren't playing. They like rescheduled the Thursday night this week. So there's no conflict with the Broncos game, right? We, can, we don't have that excuse, right? The game won't be going into overtime on our behalf. So if you could, make it a priority. So, okay, so we're talking about in a location, and I can understand there's probably some confusion, like, well, those people are going to go to the south, and that's great. They raise some money, but what about us? Like, what is, why is there a need to, to have an investment and, and thrive right here? Like, aren't we thriving now? <clears throat> Well, I think what we've come to realize as we've done this is that God wants us to be strong and be going from a place of strength and minister right here in this community. God has just planted the Firehouse Church right here on this corner. And sometime, if you don't know the story, I'd be glad to tell you the story of how we ended up here. But we're convinced that God wants us to be right here impacting this neighborhood on his behalf and making disciples. And to do that, we've got to have some reserves. And we've got to have some commitment. We've got to have some buy-in. And so I thought even, I just wanted to sort of brainstorm and, and kind of come up with a list of, of uh, some ideas, some dreams I have for things that we could be doing as a church to really reach out to people. Right, so I'm going to kind of run through these. We've done flyering campaigns in the past. I'd love to do more. I think there's definitely an, an effect that we have with those. Financial Peace University, Celebrate Recovery. We have the Moms Group. We're talking about having a parents' night out. There's all kinds of things we could do, these groups. They take a strength. They take resources. We have a mercy ministry. A lot of you don't even know. We have a mercy ministry. Well, it's not very big because we don't have a lot of money for it. But we do. We're reaching out to a, a this place called Joy House. We'd like to reach into uh, um, the Independence House and other places and be able to provide for people. We can't do that without commitment and buy-in. We've had concerts in the past and coffee houses and we throw the doors open and the loud music goes out and people come in. I want to do more of that. We've talked about opening the doors during the week where people could come in and actually work here. Independent consultants could come in and work and sit and use the internet and maybe have some coffee. Come in the doors of a church where they may not come in the doors of church and, and see us. We'd like to do that. That takes resources. I've had some great idea. Man, we live in a culture of food trucks. Does anybody like food trucks? Yeah, right? But we could... Somehow, I don't know what it is, we could get some food trucks out here, maybe we get some artists to get some art and have some kind of really cool thing people would come to. We have to have resources. We've got to have commitment to that. We've been talking recently about these outreach groups, as I call them the gospel groups, as we get past discipleship groups, and we begin to launch into those things. I would love, as each of you are like, yeah, I want to reach into such and such world, that we as a church could say, yeah, let's fund that. And not make you have to fund it yourself. 
talk about missions. We had Mike Cater up here, what was that, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and he talked about what's going on in Nepal and India. It touched my heart. I know it touched other people's hearts as well, too. Like, I know Sandra is thinking about, praying about, maybe she could be part of that. Maybe we could do some short-term teams, those kind of things. All of that costs. What if we could have a mission fund where we could give Sandra some money, or we could give a team some money, or we could just send money to Mike and say, man, pay for some of those people on the ground. Can't do that now. Talked about having a vacation Bible school right here in this neighborhood. Again, there's a cost and a buy-in. and Those are just a few ideas we could just keep going on. And But I would ask you this question. What are your dreams? As you think about it, maybe it sort of lights a fire and you go, Ah, that's a thing we could do. There's another thing we could do. And those are just my ideas. You guys probably have some great ideas. What are your dreams? But first we've got to ask this question. If we had all the money right now, could we do all these things? Because we can be dollar rich and time poor. God wants disciples who first and foremost are dedicated in their time. Right? Someone could write us a check today and say, here you go. What is that? 10000 a month, two years. Here's $240,000. Could we do any of these things? Are we committed enough individually as people with our time to do this? See, I asked you, what's your dream? What is your dream? What are your dreams? And that does not mean I have a dream for my pastor to do something. We have this thing, some of you may have been in Ames back in the day. Our church movement got part of its start there in Ames. And there's a principle that came out of Ames that we call the Ames principle. That is, if you come up with this great idea that fits with the vision of the church, we want you to do it. It's not for me to do. I want to support you and encourage you and help you in it, but if you ask me to do it, it's not going to get done, right? And so to succeed, we want to succeed in our God-given goal. We need disciples who will commit their time, who will commit their treasures, who will commit their talents to doing that. And like I said, next week, uh, Pat Sokol is going to be here, and he's going to talk about how we commit our treasures. And the week after that, Rich is going to talk about how we commit our talents, how we can be stewards of all those things. And so I know there's been a lot of questions for you today. And I don't necessarily expect you to have an answer. I don't expect you to have an answer today. So let me instead request one thing of you. Will you start wrestling with this in your heart? Will you start wrestling with it? Will you start wrestling with these things? You start grappling with it and saying, God, what do you want me to do? He's talking about time and I see that I've got to get after it. I've got to be a disciple. I've got to take up my cross. I've got to go and make and baptize and teach. What do you want me to do, God? That's all I can ask you. I can't expect you in 30 minutes to walk out of here with a clear answer. But start. Open your heart and see what God would have you do. Will you start discussing this at home when you're at the dinner table? Will you think about it in the quiet of the evenings when you're maybe alone, the kids have gone to bed? Will you wrestle with it as you're reading the word in the morning and as you're praying? Will you wrestle with it as you're driving to work? Maybe turn the AM radio off and see what God might want to say to you there as you're going to and from work. See, this is a journey we're all going to have to take together over the coming weeks, me included. Rich included and Brad, we're all there in it together. As pastors, we've already started wrestling with it. And we maybe don't know what all the answers are for ourselves purposely. But we'd ask you, just join us in that. 
And again, plan to come next Sunday night. Plan to come next Sunday night to do that. And so here's a final thought for you. And first I want to say, if you're new here with us, this is probably kind of a heavy thing. (laughs) Um, You probably didn't decide to come to this church or any church this morning so that you could hear about the cost of following Jesus. I get it, right? And so if you're new, I'm so glad you're here. And maybe you just see us, wow, I really got a view right into what the Firehouse Church is about. This is really what we're about, and this is what we're really going after, following Jesus. But I want to say this also, is that I think the role of church is not to be Sunday brunch. Right? If you want to have brunch, if you want to have a once a week or a once a month or an occasionally when I feel like it on Sunday morning and come get some food, you know what, you want brunch? There's like a lot of great restaurants around here. Just go have brunch. This is not going to be spiritual brunch. That's not what we do. And if you've been here a while, you know that's what we're at. That's what we do. And so my conviction, I think what we as a church have to offer is a challenge. It is to challenge every single person to find meaning and purpose and to follow Jesus. That's what we're about as a church. And so I want to put up this diagram that um, we put up maybe, I don't know, a month ago or something about that, which really is supposed to say, how can I have a right relationship with God? Question mark. And this is really a diagram, and we really walk through this then. And the key thing that God wants from you, if you are not reconciled to God, he wants to be reconciled to you. That is the key thing. That is what he wants. It is not works. It is not doing the best you can. It is not religion. It's not philosophy. It's not going to get you there. See, your sin is led from God's design. My sin has led us, each of us, into a place of brokenness. And so God offers Jesus Christ and so that we can get back to him and have a right relationship with him and be reconciled. All we have to do is turn and believe. That's it. All we have to do is turn and believe that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. Now, then after that, we have this opportunity. You see it there on the screen. It says recover and pursue. That's what we're talking about today. That's what being a disciple is. It's about recovering God's design and pursuing it. So are you going to go after God's design? Are you going to pursue it? Following Jesus as a disciple is hard. It is hard work. All those things I did, I listed in sort of my testimony, what I'd done, that was hard stuff. It cost something. It cost my time. It cost the treasure that God had given me. But it was worth it. There's peace and there's joy and there's hope and there's security and there's freedom when you do those things. And so if you have questions, if you're here this morning and you're like, I don't don't even know if I'm reconciled to God, man, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. Brad would love to talk to you. Um, Someone at the information table could talk to you about it as well. We'd love to talk to you about that. And so everybody else, I'm just excited here as a church. I'm excited that we get to join together on this journey. And again, I ask you, start grappling with these questions. Start thinking about what does God want me to do? What does God want us as a family to do? How can we part of, be part of it? God, just soften my heart so that I could hear from you what you would have us do. So as we go into this campaign of Thrive, we just want to try to take up our cross every day and follow him. Let's pray. Now God, I, I thank you for your word. I think it's just very clear that... Um, You've given us a path to walk down as we try to recover 
and pursue your design as now that you've saved us. God, you have a plan for us as a church. God, I'm just so convinced you've planted us right here on the corner of 33rd and Tejon for your purpose. And I'm so convinced that you have a plan for us to, to have a branch of ourselves planted there at the south side of town. God, you have people that you want to reach and we want to walk and follow you into that. But God, it will take our time. It will take our life. It will take our margins. God, that is a hard thing because we are selfish, sinful people who want to hold on to the things that we think we own. But God, we recognize that all of it is yours. All of our time, all of our money, all of our talent, it's all yours. All of it belongs to you. None of it is ours. So God, help us. God, I pray in the hearts of each one of us that you'd be working this week and in the coming weeks as we begin to grapple with this stewardship and and how do we get invested and how do we get committed and God, I would I would love to see us meet the financial goal, but Lord, I want us to be at the to meet it and say yes, and we have the resources of time of your saints who are committed to doing that. God, help us walk through that. God, we, we just humbly recognize that you are God and we are not God, and we're just going to walk it out as you have it before us. So, we thank you for these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.